and welcome to Start Right Here, a podcast where we discuss breaking in, standing out, and the path to success in the beauty industry. I'm your host, Corinne Corbett, and I hope the conversations I have with my guests inspire you to forge a path of your own. Let's get started. Today, I'm really excited to welcome Rob Robinson. He is a multi-hopping in the beauty industry. He has worked in the corporate arena. He has developed products. He's an entrepreneur and he has a successful business and a patent holder too, which is always really important. And when I talk about people being patent holders, you don't meet that many and you don't meet that many black people either (laughs) that hold patents. So Ron, welcome to the Start Right Here podcast. Oh, it's great to be here, Corinne. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's great to have you here. Can you start by giving us your 30 second bio? Sure. Uh, cosmetic chemists develop products for big brands, Estee Lauder, Clinique, La Mer, Revlon, Avon, L'Oreal, Lancome. 20 years developing products. Started an agency called Beauty Stat 10 years ago. Uh, partnered up with a lot of brands that were looking for influencer marketing. Discovered a breakthrough ingredient with vitamin C. Was able to secure three patents on it and then launched a brand Beauty Stat Cosmetics last year. We're going to talk about a lot of that today because you said it in 30 seconds or a little bit over, but that is so rich with accomplishment that it's worth exploring. Was the beauty industry a destination or a detour? Detour. Early on in my career, I grew up in a family where being a doctor was the most respected profession you could be. So my mom had a few sons and she wanted each of them to be doctors. Two of them went on to become doctors. I went to med school without knowing what I wanted to do and tried it out, dropped out after one year, you know, had a chemistry degree and landed a job as a cosmetic chemist for the clinic division of Estee Lauder. So it was totally random, was not planned. It was absolutely a detour. Oh, wow. Landing at Lauder, at Clinique, in cosmetic chemistry, what was that like? Was it like culture shock for you? I had no idea there was a whole science behind cosmetics. I just didn't even think about it. It's one of those things where, you know, there are products out there and I never thought that there was a whole world and opportunity for professions, work, and this blending of science in a very creative world of cosmetics as well. And that's what made me fall in love with it because it's science but it's also creativity to putting those ingredients together to create products that people love. Now, do you remember the first product you helped to formulate? I did. Early 90s, I was working on some of the early products for Clinique called Turnaround. Oh, the Turnaround Cream. I remember that. Yes. That was a big franchise for the brand. It was really the first time Clinique entered the world of really producing skincare treatment products as opposed to just moisturizers, toners, and soap. It was tremendous success, and that was one of the first uh, products I worked on at Clinique. Wow, great. What do you think the skill is that you learned there that you've carried throughout your career? The skill that I learned was learning what does the consumer want. That was critical for me to be a success in the laboratory. I needed to create things, formulate products, that would answer a consumer's need. It would be so special that they are going to want to use it and use it and love it. This crosses any type of profession, but that was really a skill that I learned. Chemists often talk about being at the bench to formulate a product. So what skills do you need to sit at the bench 
and workroom products. Key skill for a cosmetic chemist is being able to understand what each ingredient does and in what ways to combine them to get you the end result that you want. I remember working with the marketing team at Clinique and you know they want a rich cream, not a light cream. It's got to be rich because it's a night cream perhaps is what we might have been developing. That's the knowledge that's needed to formulate products as a chemist. You're coming from medical school into this arena. How long did it take you to like acquire that knowledge that this goes with that X, Y is going to create Z? You know, it took a couple of years. So obviously I had a chemistry degree, so I knew what reaction-wise, what could take place by combining ingredients. But theory is not the same as practice. So it required practice. It required creating literally thousands and thousands of formulas before you can get the right one that's approved and will go on to launch and go on shelf. So that's what you have to learn. You have to experiment, create different formulas. It's like cooking. Someone that's creating a recipe didn't land on it the first time. They did perhaps hundreds and thousands of iterations before they were said, okay, this is the one and we're going to publish this recipe. So same thing with cosmetics. It kind of reminds me of talking about the thousands of formulas you have to make. That Malcolm Gladwell book where they talk about the 10,000 hours it creates. That's exactly it. Malcolm Gladwell is correct. That's how you become an expert. And so also I would say you must have patience (laughs) that's built in. And that's what you're able to to learn. You know, that it may take 10,000 at first, but then you really know what to work with and what to use in order to get there a lot faster. You mentioned you worked at several brands, some of them mass, some of them prestige. What was the progression for you from Clinique? Where did you go next? In general, I worked for prestige brands like Clinique. I moved to drugstore brands like Revlon and then ended my last professional or my last career working for a brand was Avon. So that went to direct selling. So I really got to see all different channels of distribution. And I think each time I was able to get closer to the consumer, which is something that I really wanted. And it kind of leads me to what I'm doing now, which is really having direct contact with the consumer when they're running a brand like Beauty Stat. Yeah, it's really interesting that that is your through line, because before Beauty Stat, you went into entrepreneurship and you were running an influencer agency. So tell me about your shift to entrepreneurship and how that happened and what caused you to pivot later. I had no idea that I would become an entrepreneur. That was never my plan. I always thought I'd be a big company guy. That's what I thought I would do. And I thought I would be, you know, my peers are leading brands for beauty companies right now. And that's probably where I would be had I not changed paths. But my passion for answering a consumer's need is what led me to leaving Avon and starting Beauty Stat, which became one of the first beauty influencer agencies. So what happened is that I saw what was going on. This is the mid-thousands when all social media sites were launching. You had Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. People were spending a lot of time there. And what I was thinking is that there was no beauty community. There was a general community like Facebook or a professional community like LinkedIn, but there's no place where beauty enthusiasts could learn from experts. So that was the mission of me starting Beauty Stat. It was a place where me and a few beauty experts would create content, we'd review products, help consumers navigate the crowded space, understanding what products work and don't work, and helping to explain ingredients, and give a community where consumers can chat 
learn from each other, exchange, etc. So that was the goal of Beauty Set when I started. And I started that again because I felt there was a void. And it was my passion for creating something to answer a consumer's need. You grew a very significant community and was delivering really needed information, as you said. So what precipitated the pivot? So during that time, when I left big companies and created Beauty Stat, and it was a very popular blog and an an influencer agency, I became the almost go-to cosmetic chemist for a lot of beauty editors. So they would call me, email me, hey, Ron, I'm working on a story about vitamin C. Now, this is going back 10 years ago now. This was a repeated question. I would get this almost every couple of months. This magazine, that magazine. Hey, Ron, working on a story about vitamin C. Why is it unstable? What can consumers do? What are the different types of vitamin Cs out there? So over the years, that got me thinking, what if we, me, could stabilize pure vitamin C? Would that not be the holy grail of beauty? Because people know it's unstable. They know it turns brown, it turns orange, it oxidizes, et cetera. So it happened to one of my former chemist colleagues from water was also doing the same thing. He was also researching vitamin C. We got together a few years ago and we decided we were going to try to solve this together. So we made some uh, formulas, we applied for patents, and we put a formula on an independent clinical test. You know, this was a side gig. We were going about our day jobs until the results came back from that independent clinical study. Corinne, the results were phenomenal. Not only did we stabilize pure vitamin C, but we put it in a great formula that delivered really a leap above in terms of results. So that resulted in your hero product. This is the hero product of your line, the Universal C Skin Refiner, which is just like, it's award-winning, runaway success. I mean... I can't say that enough that award winning every time I turn around, you're winning another award, which is no small feat because as a former beauty editor, when we look at products, we're looking at efficacy. We're not looking, oh, that's just pretty. We're looking at how does a product perform? You were able to create this product and it just changed the trajectory of your company, huh? That's accurate. Literally, we just launched last year. Last year? Last year. And in less than a year and a half, we have considered to be one of the best vitamin C serums in the world. That is amazing. What your mom think now? (laughs) (laughs) Now she's happy. (laughs) (laughs) And so you talked about why you honed on to vitamin C. And then was the patent process going on simultaneously as you were doing the independent testing? Yes, they both almost concur. And again, we're not banking on launching this. In other words, we're in our day jobs. The team was working on their day jobs, and this was something we were tinkering around at night and did not really think anything significant would come out of it. It's amazing. One of the things I was impressed on is when you were launched that you were on Violet Gray, which is a hard site to have your product featured on because they test rigorously and they have a set of benchmarks that products need to meet. And you were on there, but now you're just launched Nordstrom and Blue Mercury, Bigelow Pharmacy, and QVC. Neiman Marcus as well. Ooh, Neiman Marcus. So how does that make you feel? I mean, and this is all in less than a year. In less than a year. I think it's the Nordstrom launch in particular that really hit me 
it made me realize that we're on a really great trajectory. And it's interesting. You said Violet Gray, which was last summer we launched there, and then QVC earlier this year, and a lot of great other retailers in between. And now this Nordstrom launch has really solidified for me that we, we're really making a difference. We are really delivering a product that it's meeting a gap in the market. And I'm still overwhelmed right now uh, with it. I want to just go back for a minute and just talk about for people who are listening who don't know what a vitamin C product would be for and who it would be for. This is one of the reasons why I love vitamin C, the ingredient, is that it tackles almost every skin concern. So fine lines and wrinkles, evening out skin tone, hyperpigmentation, discoloration, firms, tightens, and helps to shrink the look of pores. So it really does everything for consumers that are 25 to 65 plus vitamin C answers and all skin tones, colors, races as well. And I think that's one of the reasons we call the product the universal C for a reason that this is literally for everyone. Yeah. And I think that understanding that a lot of times in skincare, we hear the aging story but we don't hear the other parts as much. I mean, I think hyperpigmentation and evening out skin tone is becoming more and more and more important. But this product does meet the needs of so many different people with different concerns, just firming. So you don't have to say lines and wrinkles, but if you say it, the person that needs it can go for it. Evening out skin tone, which is something that I've used the product and that I've seen results from vitamin C, from your vitamin C product. And then someone 25 can understand that this is something that they could use throughout their skincare regimen throughout their lives. Absolutely. You know, we're, again, all ages. We're getting so many you know, great consumer testimonials of all ages. Just like you said, answering the needs of those 25-year-olds that are looking for improvement in texture and tone to a 55-plus who it's, who it's addressing wrinkles and loss of firmness. The Universal C product is not the only product in the beauty stat line. Start Right Here is brought to you by Beauty Biz Camp, where we equip and inspire the next generation of industry leaders. Head over to our website, beautybizcamp.com, for more information and sign up for our mailing list so you can stay in the know about our upcoming programming. Tell me about the other products that you have and what you're thinking about next. Sure. So we have our moisturizer. So this is a great companion product to the Universal C Skin Refiner. And that's our Universal Pro Bio Moisture Boost Cream. It's packed with hyaluronic acid, ceramides. It also has an ancient mushroom extract that's unique to us. That's going to help heal, really addressing that moisture barrier, which a lot of people with sensitive skin are starting to, it's being compromised. And we're helping to heal and restore that moisture barrier. It's a lightweight, get hydrating all day type of moisturizer. So you should check that out as well. And we also followed up our Universal C Skin Refiner with an eye cream with vitamin C. And that's our Universal C Eye Perfector, another award winner that just won Oprah Magazine Award for Best Eye Cream. So we combine vitamin C with the hot ingredient right now, which is CBD or, or hemp oil. And that helps with the anti-inflammatory, you can see anti-inflammatory benefits. So we're all stressed. We're all working hard. We're, we might be more at home, but we're still even more stressed. And that shows up in our eye area in terms of puffiness, 
with this hemp oil and vitamin C, helping to address that area and give that really a comprehensive approach to all those eye area concerns. Oh, that's great. You just mentioned we're all stressed. So what impact has COVID-19 had on your business? This is another case of where some good came out of a lot of bad, and that reflected in, in the increase and in growth of our business. More people at home, more people taking care of themselves and searching for vitamin C. That's one thing that's been published. More people are searching for vitamin C, both taking it internally as well as applying it topically. And we've certainly benefited from that in this COVID pandemic era we live in now. And let's just talk a little bit about the social justice movement and how the beauty industry has responded. And how has that also impacted your business? Also significant. You've been following us pre-Black Lives Matter movement, where we, we were in retail. We were in Violet Gray. We were also sold at Skin Store and at QVC. We were also talking to the current retailers that we are in right now. We were talking to them. They've had samples. They loved our products. You know, some feedback was, you know, Ron, your, your line is small right now. We'd love you to have more, and then we'd bring you in. When the movement started, many of those retailers fast-tracked us and said, we're taking a stand. You have a great brand. You have great products. We want you in now. That's amazing. And I loved the retail piece in Women's Wear as well, which featured you. That was a very comprehensive look at what's happening with Black founders and at retail. And I thought that was a well-reported piece. Very much so. What is the unsung skill you need to succeed as a cosmetic chemist? It's about the consumer. You could be a brilliant, be brilliant in terms of knowing what ingredients to pull together. If you can't think about that end customer, how she's using it, how it's going to make her feel, you're not going to be a good chemist. You've got to blend the science and the knowledge of ingredients with understanding what the consumer experience is going to be like. You have those two, you're a winner. You're a star chemist. Okay. So conversely, what do you think the unsung skill is needed to be an entrepreneur? Same consumer experience and understanding the customer need. You need the knowledge base of whatever field you are in. You need that knowledge. Here's an example of who would not be a good entrepreneur. Those people that, don't, that know everything and don't listen to anyone. Don't listen to your customer. You're not going to be a good entrepreneur. And then you have those that really know, understand the customer, but don't have the skill set to put to give them a product or service that they want. So you're not going to be a good entrepreneur either. So you've got to have both. I think those are great examples. Really great examples. How do you identify top talent when you're putting together a team? We just expanded our team. We want someone who's walked in different shoes. So we want someone who's worked on different sides. Right now, with this expansion of us into retail, we need help with that. We needed help with working with different retailers because this is my first time. I needed someone who had retail experience, meaning they've worked for a retailer and they knew what they would look at and bring in a new brand into that retail space. I also wanted someone who also knew what it was like to be on the brand side as well. And they knew how to sell a product to a retailer. So we've got that in a few folks that, that have joined the team and they're doing really well. So my advice, get someone who has some perspective, depending on what you're looking for, that has some perspective on that, that have worked either on the client, for the client, or as a customer, or vice versa. 
that's invaluable advice and to find people that don't have the same skill sets as you so that you can build a team because if everybody's you, what's going to happen? The reason I started this podcast is to highlight Black people and BIPOC people in beauty. And, you know, we don't see a lot of Black men in the beauty industry. How important do you think it is for you to be in this role, to have a voice right now? I think it's really important. First of all, though it's unique that I am a man in this industry, I don't want to take away the fact that women of color are not given the opportunities, though I see there is some uniqueness. I'm not special here, and I just want to make sure that I'm helping to elevate and mentor and help our women of color in this business that are looking to get ahead or break into it. So that's kind of what I'm about. And if I ask to use my voice, I will voice that. Yeah, that is key. I mean, because for the most part, I highlight women because it is harder for women of color to rise through the ranks to get to the top of the business. So I would love to see more of us there as well. Now let's move on to our fast track questions. What was the first beauty and grooming fragrance product you ever tried? When I started working in the beauty business, I was certainly much more in the products around it and I became a heavy user of them. Fragrance was my my foray was my access into beauty. So in the 80s fragrance <laughs> that I used to wear, whether it was whether it was the Calvin Kleins and the CKs, as well as going back even to Jacquard Noir for those folks that remember that, the black bottle. With the red. With the red and the scent that you could smell two miles away. <laughs> when you walked in the room, oh, Ron's here. <laughs> it was strong. Yes, yes. There were some that were very strong back then. There was a Calvin Klein scent when I worked at L that somebody wore and we had an office where we could open the windows and every time she put it on in the afternoon, everyone would say, open the windows. She's got it on. <laughs> What's the latest product you've tried? Well, I'm testing, oh, because I think one of your questions is asking me about what's coming next. So I'm testing a lot of lab formulas of a new cleanser we're working on. So we have a lot of people have been asking us, okay, so you have our skincare, you have these moisturizer, serum, eye cream. What do I cleanse with? Don't you have a cleanser yet? So we are working on that and we have a breakthrough concept. So we're working on that and that'll launch in the fall and the spring of next year. Okay. Well, great. So that's the latest. So you've been trying various formulas of that. Yes. We're formulating a lot of different variations. It's got to be the best. What's the beauty advice you live by or leave alone? And I know you've heard a lot because you're in this industry. I do want to talk about this clean movement for my for a minute. Oh, I'd love to hear what your thoughts are. I get asked about, about this because what bothers me as a chemist is that I've always been about performance and delivering products that work, but do so safely. Obviously, I'm not going to formulate with anything that's going to be harmful to anyone or to their skin. But I think with some of these clean brands out there, it almost feels like they're bad-mouthing or they're just trying to create fear. They're fear-mongering. They're getting consumers to be fear of, oh, this it's got to be, we're this free, we're that free. We're free of all of this. And I think... If you're a stronger brand, you would talk about what you have and what your product does versus what it's free of. And I think this whole clean term 
it makes it sound like other people are dirty. Ah, that's really interesting. Do you think it's similar to maybe in the early 2000s, late 90s, where people were saying everything was natural, but then we could never get a true definition of what a natural product was? Do you think it's similar? Yeah, it's similar, but it's the connotations is worse this time because what's the opposite of clean? Yes. If you're clean, then someone's got to be dirty. At least natural, it's not as bad. A synthetic doesn't sound as bad as being dirty. So that's my feeling with it. Uh, one of my, it's a pet peeve of mine. I think a lot of brands just talk about what you have, what you do, and stop trying to create fear. Trying to get you grow your sales by getting people to get be scared of other products or, or ingredients. That's a really interesting point. Who gave you the best career advice and what was it? One advice I have is, you know, people talk about fail fast. The advice that I got is, was saying it another way. Whether you're working on your own business or working for another company, there's going to be challenges all the time. At any given point, you're going to be facing challenges. And I look at, one way to look at it is, are you excelling in some aspect to some extent? You have to be able to really measure this. The clear thing is growing in sales or bringing more money. That's one thing. Are you talking to more customers? Are you growing your social following? Look at different aspects of where you are growing consistently over time, even if you might be declining in other things or you might be up and down. And if you are seeing some growth in some aspect, that's an indicator to keep going. And following up with that is if you're trying something that's not working, stop it and try something else and don't continue to make the same mistakes again. I think when it comes to like fail fast and the lean startup movement, people cherry pick parts of lean startup without understanding the entire concept of lean startup. Yep. And fail fast is one of the things they pull out. But if you haven't done the rest of the components, it's not going to help. Agreed. I said this to a client once, if you're going to, to do that, read the Lean Startup book, <laughs> read it, watch the lectures, understand that there is an actual whole system that takes you to an MVP, <laughs> that takes you to pivoting. Let, like, let's not use these words like I sound willy-nilly, but we do use these words willy-nilly because they've become part of the lexicon of all of industries and corporate corporations use them too, and they're using them wrong. Tell me about a memorable mentorship experience, either you mentoring someone else or someone else mentoring you. The ones that have touched me more of where I've mentored others, and then they've come back. They've come back and told me how I've helped them. I've had a few instances, especially now, because a lot of people have been reaching out to me and congratulating me on this success. And they're thanking me for helping them with their successes. So that's been really fulfilling. I've had a few instances where I thought you were helping, but you didn't know you had that type of impact on them. And I'm hearing that interns I've had 15 years ago tell me, and it's just, Corinne, that is the most fulfilling thing. It chokes me up. And we talked about early before we started recording about the need to really help to build this business, to be of service, to be available. So we can make a difference, change the people that are sitting at the table, create true equity in this industry. And I think that when you 
help someone, like if you're consistently helping somebody, this is not something we start now. This is something that we've been doing our whole careers. When you see the fruits of that, like from your intern, I had one of my young people that was in my first beauty biz camp in 2013. She's a college graduate, just launched a skincare line, a CBD skincare line. She spent a year developing the formulas. And I saw that and I'm like, wow had interned to something like that, but somebody I met when she was still in high school that I stayed in touch with seven years later, created something like that. It was an amazing, my heart was full. It's a great feeling. That's why whenever I'm super busy, when I can, I will sit down, I will have a conversation, I will help, I'll make a connection, I'll do what I can to help. Let's end with this. What advice would you offer someone starting out interested in following in your career path, be it as a chemist or an entrepreneur? My advice to them, it's about that customer and it's about testing your concept with a lot of people. I hear entrepreneurs, I do get this a lot from entrepreneurs that say, hey, people want, I think I have a great idea. And I kind of help them understand, well, okay, so do you have a lab in mind? Do you have a contract manufacturer in mind? Do you know how you're going to bring it to market? And I get silence when I ask those questions. When I help mentor, I'm not going to sugarcoat. I'm going to give you the truth. I'm going to tell you what it's really like. And I'll ask those tough questions. And I say, listen, you got to flesh through those ideas because it sounds like you have a great idea, but I don't see the way you're going to pull it together. And it's going to take some funding and it's going to take the knowing the right contacts. And I'll have them go and work on that, that idea and then come back and let's see if I can help a little bit more. So my advice, you've got to really put a plan together. It's about your plan. And in your plan, you've got to seek feedback from potential customers. Super critical. People that you trust that will tell you that's a bad idea, that are not going to be afraid to tell you that, and they're not going to yes you. My advice is concept, plan, business plan, and seek feedback on it before taking it to the next step. I totally agree with that. And when you're asking the people that you like, find out if it's a nice to have or a need because a nice to have is not gonna turn into a sale. That's like something, if I have extra few dollars, I'll get that. But if I need, if you're answering my need, I'm gonna give you my dollars. Critical, and I'm about data. So that's a data point you want, that need. Because as you said, like nice to have or I like it, not gonna drive a sale. Right. I found this out because I was looking at this idea that gave back and some two people, and this is a few years ago that I trust said, when I'm putting on a body cream, I don't care who, who it's benefiting. I want to know if it's moisturizing my skin. <laughs> that other stuff is really nice, but it's not necessary for me. Like, so it was really enlightening because I was like, oh, everybody likes to give back. Everybody cares about that. The research is really, really critical. What advice would you give to somebody who was interested in being a product formulator? Well, there's two kinds. You could be a chemist where you need a chemist, a chemistry, some sort of science degree. And then there's a product developer, which is more of a marketing role. There's two options. So those that have the science degree and want to be in the laboratory formulating, that's one route. But those that want to get into the product marketing, a product development role, then Seek internships. Obviously, you have to have a great understanding of products and what's out there. You have to be a shopper and user of them and be able to convey the differences and nuances between different products that you've been using and trying in your 
interview or in your conversations with those folks that are looking for product development intern or assistant level? I think the more people are exposed while they're in school, even in high school and in college to opportunities, then the more that they can see the paths. But if you've already graduated, what advice would you give if you now discovered that beauty is your dream? One advice I have is getting some retail experience. So if you're in retail, if you are a beauty advisor, it's something that, again, you're close to the customer. So that goes back to my point. If you have knowledge or have experience working with customers, that's a plus. So you could start at retail, which which we've had several guests who have started at the counter and grown from there. So that could be a way in. And would you suggest if you don't have a science degree, taking like a bunch of science classes or going back and getting a science degree if you want to be a chemist? If you do want to be a chemist, yes, that would be a combination as well. The other way it would be uh, to intern as a lab tech. You might even need some level of science background as well, but that's another route into the industry as a formulator. Oh, okay. Lab tech. That's a good one to know. Well, thank you, Ron. This has been really enlightening and I'm really excited about the success of BeautyStat Cosmetics and the growth that it's achieved in just under a year. And I'm excited to see where you're going to go next. Thank you, Corinne. I'm really excited to be here as well. Thank you for having me. That's our show for today. Remember that there's more than one way to the top. And the most important step is the first one. So start right here.